Hey everybody, welcome to the Enlighten Me podcast. This is your host, Mackenzie, and today I am coming at you with a little bit of different content. So I actually had a whole nother episode ready to go for this week with my new friend Priya, who is over at the Hair and Skin Diaries, if you want to check her out. We had a great conversation talking about sun protection and SPF, and I thought that was a really relevant topic, especially with summer approaching. So I have that ready to go, and I am still really looking forward to getting to share that with you here soon. But as I was editing, I just kind of felt guilty talking about something like sun protection when there's just so much going on in the world right now that really does need our attention and our focus to get educated and to learn more. And so I thought rather than posting that episode for this week that I would share an old episode with you, one that I recorded with my friend Janelle, where she and I sat down and talked about things she has learned about racism as a white woman. So Janelle gave me her permission to repost this. Now I will say that we recorded it, I think over two years ago. And so when I played it back, It was a little bit cringy and hard to listen to, not because of Janelle, but more so just because of me clearly figuring out how to edit and all the good stuff. But I didn't change anything, I didn't take anything out because I still think everything that we shared is pretty spot on and I was proud of us for being bold enough to have that conversation. And so I just wanted to leave it as is and let you guys listen to it one more time. I was really inspired by Blackout Tuesday that happened this week on social media just to stop and listen. And so that's why I wanted to share this again, just to give you a chance to do just that, to stop and to listen and to think about things maybe you haven't thought about before, maybe you have, but just to get educated, to be a well-rounded person who listens to other people's perspectives. It's so easy to just post stuff on social media and not be willing to hear other people out, and I know I probably need to work on that too. But, so I hope you're willing to hear us out here. I hope you can approach this with an open mind. Feel free to fast forward through the intro if you want to. I know for me, it was a little hard to listen to, but nonetheless, I think it's all still relevant, and so I really hope you can take something away from it. And with that too, I want to open the door for you if you do have comments or questions or something that you want to tell me after listening to this episode, please feel free to do so. You have my email. I'm totally open to conversation. If you think I missed something or if you have questions about anything that we shared, let's keep these conversations going. Let's speak up when we need to speak up and let's listen when we need to listen. Hey friends, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Enlighten Me podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie, and I'm so pumped that you're here. On this week's episode, I'm chatting with my friend Janelle, all about racism. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to take a second and thank everybody who's been listening for your support and your feedback. I've heard some rave reviews about my episodes with Jess, Ryan, and Samantha, and I'm so glad you guys are loving it. I'm pretty sure you're going to love all the episodes that I have coming up for you, so keep tuning in. And if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to any of the past three episodes, make sure you go back and do that, because they are killer, and you're going to learn so much. Janelle and I's conversation is a little bit different than the ones I've had in the past, as it's stemming from a talk that Janelle gave at a conference for our church. Janelle is passionate about sharing on the topic of racism, and so I asked her if she would be willing to share the same conversation on the podcast. 
The talk is centered around five main things that Janelle has learned about racism in America. That being said, keep in mind that these principles are not only going to apply to Americans, and they're definitely not just for churchgoers. So, for this episode, I'm asking that you have an open mind. Neither Janelle or I are really that qualified to be talking on a topic like racism, but we believe that conversations like this are going to change the world. You've probably heard me say before, I believe that education does just that. I believe that a lot of the concerns that our world faces comes from a lack of knowledge. So this conversation is all about learning. In this episode, Janelle and I are both extremely vulnerable and open to knowing that we're not always going to say the right thing. We also firmly believe that this conversation is simply a starting point for more conversations to come. We definitely don't cover everything there is to know about this topic with Janelle's five main points, but it's a great place to begin these conversations. If you've been wanting to learn more about the topic of racism, and the racial issues that have gone on around the world have piqued your interest, this conversation is for you. Even if you're someone who's done a lot of research on this topic, I know that you're really going to enjoy what Janelle has to share about what she's learned. I'm confident that what Janelle shares today is going to leave you wanting more. And that's what I really want for you. I want there to be more conversations about these things. I want there to be more research being done on it. I want more open minds and more open ears. So for today, sit back and enjoy this conversation because I'm confident that you're going to feel enlightened afterwards. Also, as a preview, Janelle gives tons of great references to resources that she's loved and I'm so excited to share those with you because they've truly helped me in this journey in discovering more about race relations. Don't worry about writing down all the names of the books and movies that she references because I've written them all down for you in the show notes. You can view those through whatever device you're listening on in the show's description, or you can check them out on my website. So without any further ado, here is to learning together, to being open-minded, and to being vulnerable. Here is my time with my friend Janelle. Okay. Hey, Janelle. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Uh, Thanks for coming on my podcast. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself so they can know who they're listening to today. Okay. I am a 33-year-old mom and wife and friend and daughter, sister, Um, live in Urbana. I grew up in Illinois, went to U of I, moved to New York City for a year, and have been here for the past 10 years mostly um, helping with the church plant in Urbana. Awesome. So something you're really passionate about is talking about racism and racial issues in Mm -hmm. our country. And since people can't see us, I should also say we're two white girls sitting here and we're going to talk about race and racism. So can you talk about, especially growing up in Illinois and probably in a predominantly white community and being a white person in a totally white family, how did you become interested in talking about race, talking about racism, and how have you sort of learned more about it and continued to foster that passion that you have? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. If I look back in my life, um, I found a picture of me holding this book called The Last Shot, and I'm like sixth grade white girl in a farm area, um, and honestly do not think I had a single friend that wasn't white. 
and then this movie Dangerous Minds came out and then I read all of those books and and so I just I was kind of drawn towards I think both inner city and minority culture groups and then come to college and I ended up signing up for a trip to go to New York City and I worked in the projects and worked with a bunch of I mean anywhere from the age of like 9 to 18 year old kids and I think there God gave me a huge heart for this specific people group in a very specific place in the Bronx and I went back and I spent the next summer and I spent another year and I've since kept in contact with these friends of mine but I would differentiate there was always kind of an interest and a a love um, for my friends of New York but I would say it wasn't until um, Ferguson happened in 2014 that that I realized like I I had no idea this was happening I lived in New York I was the only white person, basically, in this whole group of projects, and I somehow lived the whole year unaware that like I lived a different life than my friends did. I walked through the projects never being questioned, and they lived there and they were always questioned. Um, so it was in 2014 when Ferguson happened, and I should say, um, one of the nine-year-old boys I met in New York had come out to Illinois to live with us, and, and it's when he got here. And he started sharing bits of his life. And I just didn't understand it. He would tell me of an experience with a cop. And I was like, what do you mean? And then Ferguson happened and it just clicked. Like, that could have been my guy. That could have been my kid Mm -hmm. who wasn't listening to cops. You know, so they say. um, Mm -hmm. Because my guy doesn't trust cops. So now I know someone who I could see doing exactly what this young man did. In the end, he was killed for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just put me in a place where I couldn't just like say, well, that's like not my thing. Racism really isn't my thing. Right. It was very personal. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's really cool. I think Ferguson was that for a lot of people. It was the yeah. start of a lot of that for a lot of people. So that's really cool. And then since then, mostly, I mean, outside of having friends that are people of color and learning more about it through their experiences, you've also been reading a lot. I know you love yeah. reading. You've recommended a lot of books to me. Yeah. And so with that, you recently shared a talk for our church. We go to church together mm-hmm. and at a women's retreat, which with our church too, just to give listeners a background of that, mostly all white people. Yep. And we don't have a lot of conversations about race. We, we haven't yet. The yeah. hope is that we will more. Yeah. And so this is kind of the first time we've talked about that in the church setting. Yeah. And with this this conversation, even though it was for our church body, it's not only for Christians, right? So if you are listening and you're not a Christian, this is still relatable for you. So you're going to share the talk that you shared with the women that we go to church with, and it's titled Five Things That You've Learned About Racism, right? Yeah. So that's how we're just going to do this. You're going to share your talk and I'll comment when appropriate, and I'm excited to hear what you have learned. Yeah, it was nerve-wracking, and this is kind of nerve-wracking. I think it's an interesting place to be as a white person. Mm-hmm. I have spent the last four years kind of doing my own independent study and still feel like I know very little. I'll yeah. see someone's, like, top 20 must-read books, and I've still only somehow read five of them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, a step of faith for me to start talking about these things, and I think it's an important conversation that needs to be happening more. Yeah, and and also something you mentioned, too, is that it's – the introduction to many conversations to come so there's a lot more to say besides these five things but it's a great place to start yeah yeah what I shared in my talk a little bit about my life and I kind of said this but 
I didn't, I spent most of my life not really thinking about race, even though I didn't live in a completely white world. I just, it was, I was just privileged to not have to think about it. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a lot of time just thinking about what I have learned over the past couple of years. And it really did all start with Ferguson. I remember even like Trayvon Martin was just killed right before that. And I, I, I didn't look into it at all. Mm-hmm. And then when um, my guy got here, from New York and Ferguson happened and it mm-hmm. kind of was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing I think that had to click for me was that it's real and that it's, it was a privilege for me to not realize that sooner than I did. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, how, how did I go so long in my life yeah. with people that were like my best friends and now feel like my family mm-hmm. without knowing mm-hmm. like the ways that society has made them feel or treated them and the things that they believe true about themselves now. It was just like, I was, it's been very humbling. And yeah, and so I just want to share a few stories with you guys with their permission that I shared um, in my talk too, but and that helped me realize how real it was. Yeah. I think proximity is a huge thing. Knowing somebody who's experiencing these things is what changed it for me. It's mm-hmm. what, what caused me to kind of dive in and start to learn and And so a few stories from my friends. I was sitting with a guy, and he's black, and he has dreads, and we were talking about Philandro, and I remember calling him just shocked. I just could not believe that this had just happened. And he exclaimed to me, like, I could do everything right and still be wrong. Like, I went to college. I have a degree. I work with kids. And, like, that could have been me. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he was talking about, he pulled out this card, which I didn't even know existed, but this, I'm a friend of a cop card that they have in New York. And so cops mm. like get to hand them to their friends. So basically when you get pulled over, you can say like, oh, wow. hey, my brother's a cop. So oh. I don't know. I don't really know <laughs> what they're supposed to do, but I was shocked that they exist, but they're legal. Yeah. And so my guy with the dreads was like, got one of these cards from a friend. And he said, um, really could use this earlier in life. And... I was like, why? What did you do? Ah, ah, ah. Like, he's like my little brother. And after listening to his story, I quickly realized, instead of asking, why, what did you do? I should have asked, what happened to you? Mm-hmm. Not, what did you do? Yeah. Um, and he proceeded to rattle off story after story of being stopped, harassed, guns drawn. He's like, John, I'm walking down my sidewalk outside my building where I've lived my whole life. And cops pull up, guns drawn at us cursing at us where are the weapons where are the drugs we know they're on mm-hmm. you i i don't carry i didn't have drugs on me like mm-hmm. never once searched harassed groped by male and female police officers in my mm-hmm. building where i've lived my whole life wow. and this is a building i go in all the time like i yeah. clearly don't belong yeah but a, you know as a privilege of my skin color i'm never once like if anything's questioned of me are you a social worker are you a teacher it's all oh, you know like wow. positive yeah. associations yeah so he tells me story after story and then subtle things. I think, you know, we could look at some of these situations and I couldn't be like, holy cow, you know, but still kind of exclude myself and think like, well, I would, I would never do that. But then my guy here was sitting with his advisor and it was a new advisor. So he walks in, sits down and the advisor opens up his file. And the first thing she says was, wow, I'm surprised you have such good grades. Mm-hmm. And so he comes home and he's pretty private. So he's not like telling me everything, but he comes home and he's just like, why did she say that? Yeah. And I was like, you know why she said that? Yeah. And, like, that's just a real subtle example that these are the things that I'm like, oh, I'm, I can be that lady. Mm-hmm. I don't think she has any idea of what she said. Right. 
but he's gotten that so many times in his life that he came home discouraged. Why is this lady who knows nothing about me surprised that I have good grades? Why would that be her response? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so these are just a few stories that my friends yeah. have said I can share to kind of help bring to life how yeah. racism has affected them. It's not just the people yelling the N-word out of the back of a truck. Yeah. It's big things and it's little things. Yeah. What would you say, with that first point, what would you say to the people who do think that racism ended when, you know, slavery was abolished or mm. when segregation ended? What would you say to those people or to the people who maybe even... They know that racism is real, but they do think it's in Alabama, mm-hmm. you know, with the rednecks or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah. what would you say to those people? Gosh, I mean, I, I can only really speak for myself, and and it's just been humbling to see that it's in me. Yeah. And not that I'm, like, any gold standard, but these are my friends who I love, and yet I somehow still am able to, like, form these assumptions without thinking about people. Mm-hmm. I guess in a practical thing, I would say if you have a friend of color, I would ask them. Yeah. Like, hey, what was what's your experience like with cops? I'm just curious. Yeah. And I should also I said this in my talk too. I'm not anti cop. I have friends who are cop and cops, and mm-hmm. I think they're great people. And mm-hmm. I don't ever want to be a cop. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's advisors are great people. You know, yeah. I think what we all are are people, and nobody's perfect. Yeah. Um, and this is one of my other points, but just knowing our history, it would just it was naive of me to think that I could just show up in a world that has been formed in a way that has not given a fair shot to people of color, but mm-hmm. to think that I would just grow up thinking, we're all equal. Yeah. You know, without without any kind of proactive learning. Right. Um, so I would just say, it's probably there. Yeah. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> and it's not necessarily, I know we're going to talk about this in a little bit too, but it's it's not because, it's not always going to be because you had grandparents that were racist or right. you grew up in a racist town. Mm-hmm. It's because we're human and we make stereotypes. Yep. And I remember in one of my college classes, the professor was talking about stereotypes and he was saying, stereotypes by themselves are actually really helpful. Yeah. We use them for a lot of different things and they're actually positive they can be you know used for good in our minds to help us organize things but it's when they become our beliefs that they become bad and so it's not like stereotypes on their own are just awful but they can become really bad and we're all guilty of it and it's yeah it's not all rooted in we grew up in a all-white town like I grew up in a very diverse town but that doesn't mean I don't have stereotypes Mm -hmm. right so I think yeah I think that's a really good point yeah Number two. Number two. Number two is, yeah, I think for me, I needed to let go of both shame and guilt and then also my pride. So I've messed up a lot and I've hurt people before. I still, I mean, I still, I'm not exempt from this, but prior to me, like, whoa, wow, I don't get this. There's been some hard relationships with people I care about mm-hmm. and, um, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't place myself, I couldn't allow myself to just listen to their grievances. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I felt a need to defend myself. Mm. And Like, as a white person, you mean? Like, yeah, and, and honestly, some of the people were white. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't even, it was, I wasn't, I wasn't woke enough yet, kind yeah. of thing. Like, yeah. 
I, I said the wrong thing again, or what did you mean by that? I just, at times I felt like I'm walking on eggshells. And so then I would just find myself just wanting to defend, 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 defend. And now if I could go back to some of those conversations, I would have just listened. Like, it doesn't even have to be all the way right, but some of it was right. And I didn't even want to receive that because it's hard. It's hard to see yourself um, and to see that brokenness. And and so I think for me, I just I kind of had to just like let go of that. Mm-hmm. Like, and I also don't have to feel shame because like yeah. shame and guilt is going to cause me to not move. Yeah. And that can become super self-centered. Yeah. So that can even be another like privilege where I'm just like, woe is me. I'm so terrible. Mm-hmm. Now I realize all these things and I'm going to make it about me again. Yeah. You know, like if you've ever been in a friendship or a relationship where somebody hurts you and you're kind of like, oh, do you know, like it actually hurt me. And they're just like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then they're so sad and you end up comforting them. Yeah. And it's kind of like, <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. So needing to kind of let go of that. Yeah. And in let go of my pride, and as a Christian, I've already said, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And so I'm, why would I think I'm exempt from this, this type of sin? Mm -hmm. Like I have the freedom to say like, yeah, there's, this is in me too. Mm -hmm. And then, and once I can say that, then I can actually move. Yeah. Um, And I can ask the Lord to help me work that out. And I can ask people to help me work that out and I can receive their correction. Yeah. And actually, like, learn and grow from this instead of kind of hiding away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we were talking even a little bit before we started recording about how that is something that's not just, like, a one-time admission of, like, right. oh, see, I am guilty. But that's going to be a continual thing, especially as white people who don't always say the right thing, we don't mm-hmm. always use the right term, and we just say dumb things sometimes, or, you know, even make associations and mm-hmm. then later realize, like, it's going to be an ongoing thing where we are we are realizing, oh, wow, I messed up there. And, yeah, it can, it can be shameful. It, it's easy to get really embarrassed about, but I think you're right in that it's not about us right it has to just be about admitting our faults and then moving forward and learning from them yeah even I told this story when I gave the talk but I was playing basketball and there's this kid Matt that I see there all the time and he so we were like talking and so I started asking him and Matt is black I started asking him I said I can't remember how I originally worded it but are you what do you study here or do you go to U of I Asked him some kind of question. He kind of was like, uh, didn't really hear me. And so I was like, oh, maybe he doesn't go here. I, and then so I rephrased it and said, do you go to Parkland or U of I? And then he was like, I go to U of I. And I was like, oh, okay. What do you study? Engineering. And I was like, okay. And I thought in my head, honestly, Janelle, if this kid was white, would I have changed my questioning and asked him mm. if he goes to Parkland or U of I? Yeah. And then I'm like, you know what? He's probably upset because people probably think he got in, maybe based on his skin color. Yeah. And he's he's an engineer. Yeah. You know? So I'm just like, okay. And I don't know him well enough, and I didn't know him well enough to be like, hey, what do you, you know? Yeah. I'm not going to make you have a 10-minute conversation where I unload on you the things I've been learning and did I yeah. just mess up. But it just was kind of a moment, a humbling moment for me of like, right. why did I rephrase that? And maybe he's upset at my questioning because of all you know the background of his life yeah for sure Um, and this is after years of like studying and reading you know but in real life I'm kind of like oh 
oh yeah with those stereotypes yeah. like we make associations and for those that are listening parkland is our community college so that's what janelle is referring yeah. to and i think that's true to i work in athletics at uvine a lot of students have told me students of color a lot of them a lot of people will assume that they're student athletes if they're people of color and that's how you got into college and it's just it's stereotypes Mm -hmm. like that we see a lot of and yeah I think that's really courageous of you to say that like to admit that you know in front of people to say like oh here's a time that I said something really stupid and or I made a stereo or I made an association Mm -hmm. based off of a stereotype I probably had in my head but we're gonna keep doing it like just because we're learning about these things doesn't mean we're gonna be perfect and stop doing them so thanks for pointing that out yeah yeah the the next I think most important thing for me was learning about our nation's history yeah granted I was probably not paying attention but I'm pretty (laughs) sure most of these things were not taught (laughs) yeah Um, and if they were it was like you know a paragraph right in a history book and then we moved on and so I think it's impossible to look at what's happening today without knowing what has happened. Mm -hmm. And so even the question of what would you say to people who think that was a long time ago, I would say it wasn't that long ago. Mm -hmm. Like there's people's grandparents experienced Mm. so many of these things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, even Jim Crow, even once slaves were free, they weren't. And we gave gave them nothing. Yeah. You know, just, okay, you're free, but you're not. And we're still not going to give you any rights. And yeah. And then even when it was like forced integration of schools Mm -hmm. it was almost to their disadvantage yeah and it was like asking young children to be super brave that like adults couldn't even do yeah and lynchings like do we talk about lynchings and how harmful that is to people to a group of people to how you think about life and the value of your life and and then even how churches were so complicit like i've read Mm -hmm. churches would let out early to attend lynchings. Oh my gosh. That just like makes me, my skin crawl. Yeah. Like that is so against everything. Yeah. <laughs> that Jesus came for. Um, yeah. I always like to point out too that Jesus wasn't white in case yeah. anybody was wondering. <laughs> yeah, we got that wrong too. <laughs> um, yeah, so even that, that kind of history. Like we really, we've really ignored and kind of whitewashed things. Yeah. Um, I like Trevor Noah a lot, mm-hmm. and I read his book, and he he kind of calls he calls out America because he's not from here, so he can do that more objectively, I think. Mm-hmm. And he's like, in America, the history of racism is taught like there's slavery, there's Jim Crow, there's Martin Luther King, and now it's done. Mm-hmm. But you, if you go to Germany, they have like all these markers and memorials, and they aren't proud of, but they fully acknowledge the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Like, this happened here, and this house, someone was stolen from this house, and so there's a pillar outside of it. Mm. And that, and I think until we acknowledge these things, we can't, how do you really change them? Like, yeah. Propaganda, another thing you should watch, is he has a movie little clip thing called 20 Years, and he uses marriage as an example. He talks about this husband and wife who are married, and the first 20 years he beats her, and mm. but the next 20 he doesn't, but it's never talked about nothing he just stops because he realizes she's gonna leave and that's gonna look bad and he'll have to pay child support and and so they just stop and then they're at their 40th anniversary and everybody just wants to celebrate and she's just like uh well you know like this isn't this isn't real yeah and he does just a really amazing job of comparing that to Mm. our history yeah and so i just think like how can we 
have true reconciliation? How can we make amends for the past? How can we heal relationships if we won't even acknowledge what happened? Yeah. yeah. And I didn't even know what happened. Right. And so for me, it was just reading about history. Yeah. Reading about slavery. Watching movies, graphic movies. Yeah. Where I was like, I want to vomit. Yeah. But this this happened. And I feel like, again, it would be a, my privilege to ignore it. And yeah. to not try to understand kind of the horrendous things that have happened and how that shaped where we are today. Right. Yeah, totally. I think I totally agree with you that we have to learn about history to understand the root of the problem. In fact, did you watch the remake of Roots? Mm -mm. Okay, maybe that's what I was telling you about. You would love it. It shows literally a, a man being captured from his... A village in Africa in the 1800s or whatever and then it's about his descendants mm. so it goes through each generation and how things change and it only goes up until like the 1930s or 40s so it doesn't even go yeah. that far up but it is so interesting and I think that was something that really opened my eyes into kind of the the root of the problem hence the name Ruth I yeah. think maybe that's part of why it was named yeah. that but I think that a lot of people do believe that, you know, once slavery was abolished, that was the marker of mm -hmm. the end of racism or, you know, once the civil rights movement. Yeah. And it's like the civil rights movement, our parents were alive. My parents were alive <laughs> for that. that. Long ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. So it's not like our nation is completely healed yeah. from that. And even then, the, so much of America was against the civil rights yeah. movement. There was so much lashback for that, and it took so long to get it accomplished. Yeah. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. was killed because right. of it. Like, right. it's it's not like it was just well-received, right. you know. And even, even now, there's a lot of people against the movements that are going on. Yeah. The NFL, for example. Yeah. Like, there's people who still don't like talking about this stuff. So I, I agree with you. It's not that far removed. Like, I had a professor in grad school who literally grew up in an all-black high school. Like, he grew up during wow. Jim Crow segregation. Yeah. And he's still teaching. It's not yeah. like it's, like, this yeah. old grandpa. Like, yeah. he's still very relevant. Mm -hmm. And so I agree with you. It's not far removed. And it's, I mean, it's important to understand that it's this continuation, right? Like, it's not yet over. Yeah. And it's, it didn't just end in, you know, 1920. Or, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, I read this in another book that I love, The Myth of Equality. He says, my desire in looking at a racial past isn't to push America down, but to help us know our medical history, as it were, so we can better prescribe the kinds of attitudes and behaviors that might help us repent, turn from our sin, and find reconciliation. And so it's not like an, a process to engage in to just feel terrible about America, feel terrible yeah. about ourselves, but just so that we, we know how to get better. Mm-hmm. And so there's, it's kind of like, oddly, like a, a hopeful process. Like, yeah. let's learn about this. Let's know what happened so that we can, we can make progress in a way that might actually heal something. Yeah. And not just, I don't know, attempt whatever we're doing or do nothing. Yeah. yeah that's good. Are we on number four now? We are. Yeah. Number four is maybe my favorite. Okay. It's proximity. <laughs> I love my people. I think... I, we went to a conference, and it came up over and over again. They just said, like, there's power in proximity. There's power in just knowing people and being close to them. Like, we kind of talked earlier, like, we will never physically have our skin in this game. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not about our, our skin color. Mm -hmm. 
But when my guy who feels like my son or my brother or my best friend from New York, their skin is in this game. Mm -hmm. And and they are. Their life does feel on the line. When I hear about the most recent shooting, I am again like, wow. And it's like I... That, that's what's changed it for me. Yeah. It's impossible. F- it was impossible for me to stay distanced. And, and and I didn't even, I didn't have like a negative attitude. I was just like, I don't really have time for this. Yeah. You know, like I've got kids. I've, I'm mm-hmm. helping to run this, you know, do stuff at church. And yeah. Yeah. But then once, once I started seeing some things that were happening and seeing my guys, it just, I couldn't. I couldn't, like, sit out of it anymore. Yeah. And one of the speakers had said, they equate the lack of proximity and they talk about fog. And, like, when we have distance from people, that's like a fog. And we just can't see them clearly. And so we don't really know what's happening, but we can't love someone that we can't see. So it's just, like, someone way over there in the distance. Yeah. I mean, we can love them, but to truly, like, love them and be in it with them, we have to know them. And so I think relationships for me and a lot of the people I know, have been the most powerful tool to change people's hearts. And so now when I see, and in both ways we talked about too, like we have friends who are cops. Yeah. And so when people start just bashing all cops and they're all just out to kill, and, and I'm just like, no, they're not. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think the majority of them are. And I think even when these horrible incidents happen, I don't think that they're really glad that they just shot someone. Yeah. I think there's a whole mess of problems that lead up to that and they're being undealt with. But because I have I have friends of color and I have friends who are cops and I have friends who are gay and I have friends who support Trump and friends who hate Trump, I can't look at a specific type of group and just say they're the worst. Yeah. To the point that they're like worthless. Yeah. And so I think within racism and with anything that our nation is so divided over that proximity changes things because you can take that person's face and put it on the group of people that you're being kind of called to hate or choose the other side. And it's, yeah, it's helped. It's just helped me a lot. Yeah. What would you say to people if there's someone listening who maybe is sort of understanding what you're saying, but has never had a friend that's a person of color or even if they've, you know, had a community where there are people of color, Mm -hmm. if they've never had, like, for you, part of your kind of awakening to this was having your friend, your guy from New York come out here and, you know, he's like your kid. We all, to me, he's like your kid, you know? And that was part of it. You had someone that was so close. So what if there's someone who's like, I sort of get what you're saying, but I've just never had that personal of an interest in Mm -hmm. this because... I don't really know anybody that this relates to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of speak from two perspectives. Like, as a Christian, I would say, like, I believe that God created all people equal. Yeah. And and I can see in this world that that is not what is overall true. And so there are people that are suffering because groups of people have decided that other groups of people are, are worth less. Mm-hmm. And that is against what my God believes yeah. is true about people. Yep. And so I'm commanded to go out and love. And part of loving is understanding and fighting for them and with them. And so there's that. I feel that conviction. Yeah. And I think, too, that's why I bring in other things. Like, we all probably know somebody that's felt marginalized in some way. Yeah. And it's not going to 
get us to, we'll never, we as white women will never understand what it's like to be a black man. Yeah. But I used, I have this one story and I use it very like cautiously because it's not even close, but the closest experience I could come to anything like this is I go and play basketball and I'm typically the only female there. Mm-hmm. And so I walk on the court and I, I don't really belong there, but I'm like allowed to be there. Yeah. And lots of assumptions are made about me. Sometimes people won't pick me up on their team. Mm-hmm. Do you have five? Yeah, I have five. And then I watch them like go get five. Like they didn't have five, but they're not going to take the girl. And, and then there's other times on, on the upside, they're like, oh, are you like the manager here? Like you don't <laughs> fit in. So they could assume yeah. those things about me. But there's plenty of times where because I am not a man, it's assumed that I shouldn't really be there and they don't really have to make a spot for me and I don't want to play with you. And so it's so minor, but I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, on a, on a much bigger scale, this is what my guy experiences. Yeah. No, we're not hiring today. Oh, you mean you're not hiring people of color. You know, like, yeah, we have five. Oh, no, you don't. You mean we're just not playing with girls today. Mm-hmm. And so I would chance people to think through, you know, women, women being underpaid. You know, there's yeah. lots of other issues happening. Yeah. And they're not all the same by yeah. any means. But... I think we all have some experience or know somebody who's experiencing something where they're being treated unfairly. Yeah. And so that could be one of the first ways to think like, oh, yeah, I know someone. I know how they felt. Wow, these people could feel similarly or worse or, you know, yeah. something like that. Yeah. No, I like that. That's all really good. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah. Last one. Last one. So last one I just talked about what I've been learning about what I should actually do. So I've read, I don't know, scores of books. A lot of books, yeah. <laughs> talk to people, podcast, you know, and it's just like, huh. Yeah. And so actually doing this talk at my church was like, not the first thing I've done because I've talked to lots of my friends. Like, yeah. Start conversations, but I think, yeah, just trying to figure out for me, now, now what? I'll be like, Lord, what do you want me to do with this information? Like, surely you don't want me to, like, actually talk to real people, or I'm nowhere near an expert on anything. But I have felt like, yeah, I do have a group of people around me that I do feel responsible to, like, bring in on this discussion. And a lot of my people know my guy and know some of my friends now here. Mm -hmm. And so I, I do feel responsibility to share their stories and to share their life experiences. But I think for the beginning, and even still now I'm cautious when I talk, I just was like, I have so much to learn. Yeah. I don't, I actually have nothing to say. Mm-hmm. I think as white people, we always have the privilege of talking yeah. and saying what we think. And part of the humility process here for me was, I, I, have, I have nothing to say. Mm-hmm. I don't, this is not my experience. I don't yeah. even know history. And so I've learned a lot about lament. A lot of times... I think as as white people who are used to being asked for what we think and jump in to like do things. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. I don't even understand the half of what has happened. Yeah. So why on earth would I think I have something to do about this right now? And so just learning what it looks like to walk in this knowledge that I have well. And so it, it is talking and starting conversations with friends and taking advantage of opportunities to talk at church or with you um, yeah. 
but doing that cautiously and humbly and and encouraging others to do the same. And I think, too, a, a huge goal of mine in these conversations and when I speak about it is is saying, like, this is the first of many conversations. Yeah. And I want to help create a safe place. Yeah. Where people can come and learn, where they're not going to be shamed when they admit what they said to someone or when they ask a question that is offensive. I think... I think I've been burned by some some of the times in my learning where it just didn't feel safe. And and by safe, I don't think I have the right to be right. Like, yeah. it's, I don't, I think there is some, what do they call it? Just like, I'm kind of soft. We don't want to be accused of things. And, and so I don't think I have the right to always be right or not to not be corrected. But I think whenever we're trying to learn, I think if we can create a space where where we're willing to be corrected, but we know we're not going to be attacked or yeah. judged or shamed. So as I keep learning, keeping that in mind, where it's like, yeah, I, I still don't know that much. I want to share what I do know yeah. or what I've learned, but in a way that it brings people in and not pushes them out. Yeah. And I want to, I want to, I want to tell good stories too. Yeah. Like these things have happened to my friends, but then it's also like, they're hilarious. I've, I had someone ask, well, I don't even, I don't even understand, like, what you even are drawn to in their culture. Hmm. And I was just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you, do you not know anyone? I'm just like, my guy? He's hilarious. Yeah. And the sense of family and the gen- generosity and the community that happens. Yeah. Their hangouts and parties are way more fun than, like, <laughs> his families are more fun than my families, and yeah. I love my family, but just the joy that they have and the thankfulness and these are just my specific friends so I'm not overgeneralizing but right these are the things I'm drawn to why I want to like hang out with my friends why I loved hanging out with the kids in the projects and there's deep rich culture there yeah and and I like consider a privilege that they would let me in on that yeah yeah so it's been it's been really good and needed for me to learn but there's also been a ton I've gained so much yeah from my friendships that that I don't really deserve and I'm not entitled to but I'm really thankful for that's really cool I think I think what you were saying about learning is really key and I think you're right in that a lot of us are quick to then want to especially once you become passionate about something like this you want to talk about it a lot Mm -hmm. and you want to point out when you see something that's not right but I think the more that we learn the more ready we'll we'll feel to kind of address that and it and that doesn't mean attacking someone Mm -hmm. and making them feel like a racist because that's not productive right? right that's counterproductive if you make someone feel like they are a racist person but we can kind of, if we have the background knowledge, we can dig more at, you know, like, this is a really small example, but someone in my husband's family was talking about, it was an older person, was talking about how black people are, like, better athletes Mm. or something like that, and I, with a background in athletics especially, was like, um, no, (laughs) like, let's talk about that, and it was hard for me to stay calm during it, but yeah. first of all, it's like 
someone of this age is probably not going to be receptive Mm -hmm. to me talking about the history of racism. So Mm -hmm. how am I going to frame this so that they can receive it and not feel stupid and not feel like a racist? But also, like, I have to be educated on why you even think that's the case, right? Like, how did you get to form that opinion? Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that learning is, you're right in that learning is an action step. Like, if you're feeling like, you're listening to this and you're feeling like, oh my gosh, okay, wow, like, I want to do something. You know, it's not going to be for everybody being a quote-unquote missionary and going and serving yeah. in the projects in the Bronx, right? It That's not going to be what it is for everybody. It's, first of all, it's learning. And yeah. one of my professors from grad school would say, as long as it's just ignorance, we can work with that, right? Yeah. I feel like addressing the ignorance is mm-hmm. one of the very first steps. Yeah. And we can do that whether we have friends that are black or friends that are people of color or not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many books. Yeah. So there's, there's like unlimited resources. <laughs> yeah. And understanding some of these things. Yeah. 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 We can put in the notes all the books that you want to recommend to <laughs> everybody. Limit it to five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do get overwhelmed with your book recommendations. Yeah. I'm like slowly chipping away at it. <laughs> I ignore my kids and I just read. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's awesome. Okay, so you shared your list, your five things. Do you want to restate what they each were one more time? Yeah. Um, The first one was just that racism is real, and it was a privilege of mine to not realize that sooner. second one was that I need to be able to put aside any shame or guilt or pride in order to actually engage in this process of learning. And then I needed to relearn history. I had missed a lot, and I think Mm -hmm. I was misinformed a lot. And so in order to actually engage in the present day, I needed to know what our history was as a nation and as a church. And I learned a lot about just relationships and how important those were and helping me see and understand, and even kind of giving me the desire to engage in this so deeply. Mm -hmm. And then the last one was just learning what it looks like to use this information and I think for a long time and still it's mostly just learning and listening yeah (laughs) and a lot of avoiding of thinking I have a lot to do yeah so if there was just one thing that someone could take away from this talk today if they're out for a run and they're like well that's a lot of information what would be like one big takeaway that you want someone to learn from today one thing. <laughs> I know you've already summed it up into five things. But just so hard to get to five. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say I think it would be worth your time to to read read a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you could be amazed um, at what you might find, and yeah, I think because people's lives are being affected yeah, in such a great way. It's very relevant right now. I guess I would say it's, it, I would say it would be worth your time to look into it. Mm-hmm. If this is the first you've thought about it, or maybe you've thought about it a little bit and you've wondered, I think because people's lives are being affected, and even if it's not people you directly know, whether it's large-scale politically or in your workplace or in your schools, Mm -hmm. 
or you're going to raise your kids who grow up to maybe go live somewhere else where there is diversity. Yeah. There's just a lot of our history that is still affecting today. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are being hurt by the way we view them today. Yeah. And I think by starting to to learn about it, I think that it would be worth your time. Yeah. I I think that's a really good point and I when you were saying that it reminded me of it's not just the people that we see like on the cover of the newspaper or or whatever yeah. like it's not just the people who are dealing with police brutality or it's it's not just those people there are so many people of color that are slipping through the cracks mm-hmm. that go unnoticed like the conversation of poverty mm-hmm. is a huge part of that uh, which is like a whole nother rabbit hole, yeah. but but like, but that's I think that's who it, I think a lot of people just go unnoticed and we don't realize how racism and poverty go together, yeah. but they do, yeah. right? Yep. So I think that's a really good last point. Yeah. Okay, so since we sort of talked about books, what do you feel like is do you have a favorite or one that was most impactful for you that you would want most people to read? Impactful. <laughs> I think it's the one you just finished. I think I recommend people to read Just Mercy. Okay. By Brian Stevenson. Okay. Brian Stevenson is my favorite voice on this topic. That's cool. I find him to be very intelligent, but very humble. And so I... I got that Bible I was reading. Yeah. He's so humble. <laughs> he's so humble. And he's so intelligent. Yeah. And he's done so much. Yeah. And he's not angry. Yeah. And not that people don't have the right to be angry. Yeah. (laughs) I cannot imagine. But he's just filled with grace and humility. Yeah. And so I find his book to be a good... It's jolting still, but it's not... I have a couple other books that I love, but that would be like... Yeah. Dealing a lot more with... Right. That, Whiteness, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That book was good. It is a... So he's a lawyer, and he's started the equal justice initiative is yeah. that right or he founded it yeah. or something and the book is like a collection of stories from over mm-hmm. the years and so it's heavy but it's so some of the stories i would be reading and i would be like this sounds like the 1800s like how is this possible and this just ha- yeah and and he's only like 40 or something yeah. <laughs> like he's not old yeah so he's so. defending <laughs> it's predominantly men of color who are wrongfully on death row yeah and, like, when one story, this is in the book, he's, like, doing this in a town where To Kill a Mockingbird was written about. Yeah. You know, and it's just, like, yeah. how ironic. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the other book, I agree that that was really impactful. Another book that you also recommended to me that was probably my most impactful was The Hate You Give. Oh, yeah. That one. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. So good. And that one is a much different read because yeah. it's a novel. Yeah. It's like a, it's not a autobiography or anything right. like that. Yeah. And it's a good story story. Yeah. So that one's another really good one. And yeah, that was just, I feel like her words kind of helped me. I think Just Mercy is kind of historical almost yeah. and it helps me to see the history piece. The Hate You Give was Oh, kind of like the proximity piece, yes, I feel like, yeah. that you talked about. Yeah, maybe I would change my answer. <laughs> no, I liked your answer. <laughs> no, I mean, but, I think if you're, if if it's the same question of if you're just getting into this. Right. Then The Hate You Give or All American Boys, similar. They're young oh, adult yeah, fiction. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can read in a day if yeah. you wanted to. And it's to, it's totally about proximity. 
and there's different characters that I could see myself in painfully. Yeah. Like, oh, I've made that joke. That's not yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah. Or that's how my guy feels here in a predominantly mm-hmm. white setting. For sure. He feels like, we're like, oh, well, why don't you dance? You're the best dancer. Yeah. yeah those kind of things. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. The Hate You Give. And that just came out in rave reviews. Oh, so, so good. Yeah. Such a good read. And I even took it on vacation and read it all on vacation. Yeah. So it's even... It's it not as heavy. Yeah. Just Mercy is pretty heavy. Just Mercy is heavy, yeah. And I had to finish it. I didn't tell you this. I had to finish it quickly because someone requested it back at the library. So I was getting charged for every day. So I finished like the whole second (laughs) half in three days and it was really stressful. (laughs) Uh, Okay. What is... Oh, have you heard or watched or listened to anything recently that you want to recommend to people? Like a podcast or a documentary or a TED Talk or anything like that that Mm. you've loved recently? Yeah. Well, I mentioned the propaganda piece it's called 20 years is that a documentary it's just him doing like spoken word okay it's short it's on youtube on youtube okay i would have to think about this you just started seven on netflix i just started seven is it seven seconds seven Seven seconds seconds on netflix (laughs) which while we're recording this it just came out like this week right Yes, I, think I just so. saw it today. Yeah. So well, I have friends who have finished it, but oh, they're probably wow. okay. it's only ten episodes. <laughs> okay. So I can see them just like. Whoosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fruitvale Station is just a movie. Netflix also. On Netflix also. Okay. Thirteenth, documentary. Mm, you have to watch Thirteenth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, that's a whole nother. We could talk about mass incarceration on a whole yes. other podcast. Yes, yes. Oh, it's so good. Yes. Okay, those are all good recommendations. Okay, how about some good advice you've gotten recently? Just in general? In general, in yeah. In general, good advice. Yeah, so we, I haven't mentioned this yet, we have a foster baby right now, and that has been a joy and hard and exhausting and mm-hmm. building a relationship with his mom. And um, he's probably the cutest baby I've ever met. The cutest. I he's mean, so cute. Honestly, I'm not just saying I know. That. <laughs> He's so cute. Yeah, we, we're ruined for foster care because we just got the best. Anyone who comes after him just won't be him. So. <laughs> I think I have a, a couple different friends slash mentors, and a kind of common thread they keep telling me is just to remind myself, like, I'm doing the best I can, mm-hmm. and, then the, and then that there's, there's grace for me. Mm-hmm. So that combined with kind of my goal in relationships is to, like, just keep showing up. Mm-hmm. Like, I so often don't know what I'm doing with my guy from New York. And now we have a foster baby. So I just want to keep showing up. Yeah. And so my friends are good at kind of encouraging that, but then saying, like, you've never done this before. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Just give yourself grace. You're doing the best you can. Yeah. And that is really needed for me to hear. I expect mostly perfection for myself yeah so that's good do you have anybody that you look up to as a role model yep my friend tara okay she lives in new york at the church i used to work at Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the projects yeah she lives two blocks from the projects she is a single white irish lady who's four foot eleven she's so tiny she's so (laughs) tiny and man she just has like given her life and her work to these kids and these Mm -hmm. families. And so just the way she lives her life is incredibly challenging to me. Mm. I don't know anyone who is as selfless as she is for the last 11 years. Like not just like she came and did a trip and left. She's just there. And it's a really hard place to work. And there isn't a ton of um, immediate successes. Yeah. Um, And so she just keeps faithfully walking with her people. I respect her a lot. Okay, how about 
Is there any brand or product that you've really been liking lately? <laughs> this one's more. I don't think so. <laughs> I try nope. not to wear real clothes very much, so it's almost all athletic stuff. Yeah. Actually, I will say I love, I get my bathing suit from this place called Lime Ricky online, and it's like all made in the U.S., and just these young ladies started it. Lime Ricky? Yeah. Bathing suits? Mm-hmm. I haven't heard of this. Yeah. And I'm, like, tall and yeah. thin, and they're long. I've only ever gotten tankinis, but they're long, and they have, they're real trendy. So you can get one pieces, or they have, like, the high-waisted bottoms, or... Okay. So that's kind of, like, my only little hidden nugget. Okay. No, that's a good... That's oh, wait, good one. one more. I okay, bought these yes. sweatshirts from Mindy May's Market. They've kind of blown up in the last couple of years, but mm-hmm. they're called double-hooded sweatshirts. So, as they're stated, they have two hoods kind of strange but i have three of them in the last <laughs> okay. couple months yeah you're like the first one where if you find something you like you're gonna buy it in every color you but can. they all look different <laughs> like you wouldn't necessarily know you would if you like wow that has two hoods too but yeah okay wait mindy may's market mm-hmm. i've never even heard of that is it an online shop or yeah. something okay yep and double hooded sweatshirt so what's the point of two hoods i don't really know okay you just yeah like it's it. just there but again it's like long the sleeves are so um, long and they have little holes for your fingers i do like long sleeves yeah. and they're like i have a super long torso and they yeah. come they're so long yeah so and i actually have two i have i guess i, was, I have two dresses from there too yeah mm, i like so, that yeah that sounds nice okay nice. those are all good those are way better than nike way to go <laughs> <laughs> scratch nike <laughs> okay that's all great well uh i loved having you on here and i my last question is if you want to share your social media, you're on Instagram, right? I am on Instagram. What's your, in case anybody just <laughs> likes the sound of your life and they want to see, <laughs> they want to see your guy that we've been talking about. Yeah, He's on your Instagram. My little guy. <laughs> my Instagram is Janelliot8, J-A-N-E-L-L-I-O-T-T-8. Okay. So my first name morphs into my last name perfectly. Yes, it does. Yeah, so you can find me in there. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, we're going to do that. We're going to follow you. Thank you for coming on here and sharing what you've learned. I love how vulnerable you are and how I consider you someone who knows a lot about this topic. And I also, I forgot to say this, when, when you were talking about learning earlier and just having conversations with your friends, even if it's like this, like white girl to white girl, mm-hmm. like talking about these things, it's important. Yeah. And... I remember when we first talked about this. Do you remember it? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was at Katie and Davis's rehearsal dinner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yes. so both our... Your husband was doing the wedding. Yes. My husband was in the wedding. Yeah. So we were yeah. at the rehearsal dinner. And some... And we'd been friends... Like, we've been friends since 2012. Yeah. Since I moved here. Yeah. And, and then you're like, this is what I'm studying. I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> 2006. 17 right yeah we finally realized that we both like talking about this stuff Mm -hmm. and we're both passionate about it and I think it's so funny that it took that long and I think part of that was that for both of us it was a process right you like you said 2014 was Mm -hmm. when you kind of became aware of these things and for me it was probably more when I was in grad school but I thought I was like wait how like how has this never come up in our friendship before yeah. like it was like this revelation yeah. that like wait 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 race wait yeah. what yeah <laughs> wait you too <laughs> yeah so I love that and I think that it's 
it's like it's funny but i'm like oh my gosh i'm embarrassed that it took us that long to talk yeah. about it yeah. like we should have been talking about part this of our sooner. growing process <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i think that it's a really big encouragement to people out there like to have these conversations yeah. so thank you for sharing and yeah, for being vulnerable for with me. us and yeah loved it Did you love it or did you love it? If I could guess one thing about this conversation, I'm guessing that you really appreciate Janelle's honesty and vulnerability and could probably relate to a lot of the ways that she's felt before. Whether or not you've been in similar circumstances as her or if you've had similar friendships or not, the way Janelle speaks is so real and so honest and so personal that I'm confident that you felt connected to it in some way, shape, or form. I think the five things that Janelle shared are a great place to start this conversation. And like I said before, I hope that it left you wanting more. I hope that you felt encouraged and enlightened to read more books, to watch more documentaries, to ask more hard questions, and to listen even better than you ever have before. And then, when the time is right, to act on your knowledge. I will say that Janelle knows a lot more on this topic than I do, And when she said that she didn't even feel like she had the right to speak on it, that opened my eyes to a lot of the ways that I've taken advantage of my privilege and rushed through the process of learning. Janelle had a lot of great points that she made, but one of my favorites was when she said, I can be that lady who has no idea what she said. When she was talking about the experience of one of her friends and his academic advisor, she said that she can be that lady sometimes too. A woman who has read more books than I think I ever probably have, or maybe even will, and who's devoted so many years of her life to serving communities of people of color, says that she can be that person who says the wrong thing sometimes. I love Janelle's honesty in that, because I think it's when we get too prideful and too afraid to admit that we're wrong that a lot of our problems come out. She said that we're all just people, no one's perfect, It's not that we're all racist or we all hate too many people groups, but we're just all imperfect. Can I get an amen to that? I also loved what Janelle said at the end about what we need to do with the information we gain. Attacking people when they say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing is going to get us nowhere. Instead, we have to share the information in a way that brings people together instead of pushes people out. I think that's probably true of so many things in this world, and I love the idea of using the knowledge that we have to bring forth inclusivity rather than hatred. There's so much that Janelle shared that I loved, and I want to hear what you loved about it too. Like I mentioned earlier, all of the things that we reference are in the show notes. That includes all the books and the documentaries and everything there is. Check those out in the description below the show or on my website www.heartfelthippie.wordpress.com Make sure you check out Janelle's Instagram too at janelliat8 I'll post a link to that also so you can get a glimpse into her life and see her adorable foster baby. I can't wait to hear what you got out of this conversation and truly hope that you walk away feeling enlightened and feeling ready to have more conversations and pursue more knowledge. Conversations like these are going to have trickle-down effects that we can't even imagine, so be encouraged. If you haven't yet done so, I would love it if you would head on over to leave me a review or a rating so that other people can find this show too. 
Make sure you keep your eyes peeled for my next episode releasing in two weeks where I am interviewing my friend Lindsay and we're talking about adoption and foster care. If you're not yet subscribed to the show, you're going to want to make sure you do that so that you can get the latest episodes right into your downloads. In the meantime, make sure you hit me up on email or over on the gram and I'd love to hear from you. Until then, keep getting inspired and enlightened. I'll see you next time for my episode with my friend Lindsay.